On the second to last episode of season four of the Ebb and Flow podcast, I have a local guest, Yael Trush. She is the creator of the bilingual Jewish lifestyle blog and weekly podcast for women, Jewish Latin Princess, which is soon to be Jewish Money Matters. She is an influencer, communicator, and promoter of a joyful, richer Jewish life, inspiring women around the globe with her positivity and colorful persona. In this episode, we discussed her background with Judaism and how she integrates the wisdom of Torah into how she helps Jewish women achieve financial clarity and confidence to design a richer life. There are three main Jewish ideas with money that she shared and which our talk uh, evolved around, which is one number one, the art of giving and how we're, we're taught to give first. Number two, aligning our finances with our values. And number three, trust that ultimately money comes from God. You can check out more of her work at jewishlatinprincess.com and on social media pages under the name at Jewish Latin Princess. If you haven't yet, please leave a review about the show and today's guest on Apple Podcasts and head over to solomonezra.com or follow me on Instagram at king underscore solomon8 and Facebook Solomon Ezra Berezin to learn more. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Solomon Berezin, to get updates on new videos if you want to watch this podcast on a video. And finally, if you're interested in starting one of my one-on-one coaching programs, head over to the coaching services pages on my website and be sure to reach out. One is called Mindset Go, and it's geared towards athletes looking to get an edge on their performance of their mind. And you can also check out the Instagram page for that at mind.set.go underscore performance. And the other coaching program is Cultivating Certainty, aimed to help individuals with uncertainties and anxieties transform their health. Now onto the show with Yael Trush. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. We got connected through a wonderful mutual friend, Russ Devorah Wallen, uh, who, have, who has been on both of our uh, podcasts. And in preparing and, and looking into all the work that you've been doing, obviously a, one of the main things I'd love to talk about is um, financial health and you have the Jewish Money Matters. However, as I got into, you know, listening into a little bit of some of your podcasts, reading your blog, reading all the various testimonials from a host of well-known um, people, for, whether they're uh, chefs and cooks or uh, PhDs, I am truly interested in also your background and Jewish background. And uh, like I read your Shabbat guide and really just all it, how it all came, kind of came together because it's, it's, it's inspiring to, to read about, and I'd love to hear it firsthand from you. Yeah. So thank you for having me. This is really just a treat. Um, and it's funny that you got such a broad, um, perspective into my life. So now I'm going to try to summarize it into a few minutes. So indeed, when I first started, well, first of all, I grew up in Puerto Rico, um, and I started my journey towards Jewish observance, I would say in my 20s, I was already living in the States, I'd gone to college. And it, 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 no, I would say in college, it really started. In college, I really started becoming more connected. This was before the days of Chabad on campus in my particular school where I was. Um, and in a trip to Israel, I became even more like it definitely sparked something in me. Mm-hmm. And then I went on to Manhattan to work and so on and so forth. But I was always like curious and I was always looking. And then there were stages professionally. I was very busy. It didn't, didn't allow for much time. Once I moved to Miami and I had a little bit of a 
healthier, more balanced lifestyle, let's just say in terms of work balance, uh-huh. I definitely started exploring. I had a friend who um, connected me to a Chabad couple there and I was completely hooked. Like from an intellectual level, everything was like, it just spoke to me, you know, it was just, it, it just started from here. And then it went down, like it just clicked emotionally. Um, and I eventually got married and um, I, my journey, I guess, in the Jewish education world started more um, talking about women and writing the blog that you're familiar with that started as Jewish Latin princes, where I would integrate Jewish concepts into things that women appreciate and and need in their everyday lives, basically weaving, basically handing the message that Judaism is part and parcel of life. It's something that's integrated. It's meant to be integrated. It's not something that we visit once a year on Yom Kippur, right? It's something that informs our parenting, informs our marriage, informs how we, the art that we put on the wall, everything, it applies to everything, the choices in music, the choices in what we read, right? Um, How we speak, how we do business, how we manage our money. And so that was the idea behind the blog. And it started with first with classes that I was teaching here in Houston, Texas in Spanish. And I said, how could I carry on this message of this spiritual wisdom that applies to practical life? Like for me, spirituality and practicality are one, right? That's my thing. So I said, we're going to do a blog. It was the blogging days. And that took me to a lot of speaking engagements and writing for Chabad.org and this and that. But here's where now we get to where we are today. And that's how we got connected to the financial part. At some point in this journey, I started paying more attention to what are the pain points that women have? Like, how could I be helping them better? You know, you could talk about spirituality, you could talk about a whole lot of things, but like, what is it that people are really struggling with? And at the end of the day, we are physical beings. So yes, our soul might be aching for something, but we don't realize that at first. What we realize is the physical manifestation of that, the physical struggle, right? In the world. So there's like, I could say, tell you Solomon, like four major pain points that I could notice in women's lives. You know, one be their relationship with food, body image, Mm -hmm. that type of thing their relationship with their kids, parenting, marriage, and intimacy. And then there was money, their relationship with money, their finances. And I started thinking like of these things, what is something that I could really empathize with that I could, that I've really dealt with on a personal level and that I really have a point of view that I have something to help really, like I could speak about it all the time. So I'm a mother. I'm a pretty good mother. I love parenting. I don't know if I have such insights on parenting. Okay. I don't have much to say about relationship with body or food. I have a great marriage. I've worked on my marriage, but I'm not, you know, I don't know that I could speak to marriage all the time. Mm -hmm. Now I marriage and money. I could speak about a lot. Oh, money. I could really speak about a lot. And why is that? Because aside from the fact that I didn't tell you this, that I I did have a training in finance. I studied economics. I worked as an investment banker and, and I have an MBA and all the things. When I first got married, I had a great relationship. Thank God, still do. But at some point in that marriage, when we had like an economic downturn and I kind of woke up to the reality that, whoa, 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 something has to shift. Something's yeah. happening here. And I don't want money to be the thing. I don't want to be one statistic. I don't want it to be the thing that destroys my marriage. This is not what I'm, I'm here to build a marriage for the rest of my life. And I think also my parents got divorced. So I was very sensitive to the fact that Mm. 
I'm, I'm, I'm in here for the long term. And I definitely I'm not going to be one of these statistics. So what needs to shift um, both in our relationship and more importantly, in the way we manage our money, right? And for me, it was incredible because revisiting tra traditional personal finance, this was just, you know, no brainer. It was language I understood, right? Um, but what I could see is that what really informed a shift on the way we manage our money was our Judaism. Interesting. And so when I was thinking, how could I serve women better? It was like, well, I know what I experienced. I know what, how Judaism impact the way my husband and I relate to money and relate with each other around money, right? Why can't I share that? And so I started sharing. I started writing a little bit about it on the blog. I was at during this whole process, I had already started the podcast, right? So I'd interviewed a lot of people who had also a lot to say about money. And those episodes, I guess, tended to do very well, or I was very interested in those topics. People liked hearing about what I had to say about that. And fast forward a number of months or years, I got asked to be in a speaker's bureau for a Jewish organization for JWRP, now Momentum. And the big test of this speaker's training was to deliver a TED talk on a really sharp topic. And my husband challenged me. He said, you know, you've really been wanting to do this. You know, people are starving for your message. And you could open your laptop and you could design a tech talk, tech talk on anything about Jewish spirituality that you want. But real, the challenge is to take what you've learned about Judaism and money and put it into that 18 minute talk and go present that in Baltimore. And I was scared. I got to tell you, I was, that was the hardest speech I've ever written. I was like, Matt, what are you doing to me? He's like, you gotta do it. You could do anything. You could take the easy road and you're going to pass flying colors, or you could do it the hard way and just see. And it was the best thing he could have done for me because I did it. And it was a huge success and I got a lot of encouragement to continue on this, on this path. But more importantly, the audience was, it was literally like I had to touch a raw nerve. It was like, give me more. Like, how do you know this? Like I have so many struggles in this area. My husband and I, like, it was so, it was, people were so thirsty. Yeah. And that's when I, you know, that gave me more green light. I said to Chabad.org, okay, why don't we put together a column on money? So we started the Jewish Money Matters column. Then 2020, I said, I got to teach a course. Like, I got to be, I got to be more aggressive about this in a way. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yeah. I, I drop hints here and there on the podcast, but we got to go all in. And so I started my online course and that was a huge success. By week three, my students were like, we don't just have one more week, right? Like we can continue these, this. I'm like, sure, we can continue it. And so then we, you know, we've done it several times. I've done it in English. I've done it in Spanish most recently um, and have a membership and have coaching students, both women and couples. And it's been a beautiful journey. Um, so that that's 20, you know, a, couple, a bunch of years in a nutshell. I love, I love hearing about all the progression and you know, as a, as a, a listener, you, you mentioned so many cool things. I went like, oh, I could go this way. I could go this way, like asking different questions, but it's nice to just step back and, and listen. When you were mentioning, you know, the, the, the money is often a, a kind of trigger, not just in, in our community, but all over the world. How, what, what did you recognize that you were able to kind of pinpoint 
that venue in, integrated all the Jewish uh, wisdom and the stories. Like if, if I, I read a few of your blogs and you know, I, I love when you blend in the different uh, stories of the sages and, and merge it all into explaining um, how it relates to, to today and how that grabs you know, attention of the reader. Yeah. Yeah. So I would tell you that there were three major things that I, that I learned in my own process and that I, I invite people to explore and to learn about Jewish ideas, right. That inform my finances. Number one is this idea of giving, and we'll go into it a little bit more in detail, right? Like there is a specific way to give it's there, there, there isn't, there's a, there's a science behind this. It's, it's an, it's a specific art form. Okay. So giving, um, the idea of values. And by that, I mean, aligning our finance, our finances with our values. Are we really investing in what we truly value? Like really from the core level. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the fourth one is the third one. I'm sorry. It's this idea of trust that we tend to give a lot of lip service to mm -hmm. myself included right and when when push came to shove it's like am I really a woman of trust do I really trust so you know going back to the first one like giving right one of the things that I discovered during my own financial journey and I've discovered now coaching a lot a lot of women and couples is that of course we're givers. It's in our DNA. That, yeah. That's what we do. Jews are generous people. This is, it's, it's, it's programmed, right? There's nobody in this audience that doesn't give tzedakah in some way, you know, either with their time, their, even their both, their time, their money, their talents, everything else. But what we often realize is that there is a financial system of giving that is very exact and precise. Like there is something called miser, tithing that is just it's not on the the normal personal finance you know um i like to call like norm, normative personal finance you know usually allocates our 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 distribution of our income let's just say in in four different categories right you save you invest you you save or and or invest right you spend and then you give with whatever's left over you give and that's a very nice thing to do well guess what judaism flips this this paradigm on its head right we give first, like it's not an option. This yeah. is just the way we, it is. And so when we make that switch and we actually put it in practice, like literally put it in practice, like mathematically, there is no, there's no, 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 no playing with it. Like it becomes an automatic thing where people do it month in a month out, 10%, your money comes in, 10% goes out literally like that. It transforms your relationship with money. It transforms it on a, on a, on a, on a mental level, I would say you, you feel much more of a giver spiritually, obviously I don't even have to say it. And just practically speaking, you see the wealth coming in. Like I it's, it's miraculous. You just see it. Right. Yeah. So that's one thing. Then when we come to our values, you know, you and I probably are people who would want to live a life where when we look back at our life, we say, you know, is this the life that I live a, a life of truth that I live a life that really aligned with who I wanted to be with the legacy that I wanted to live in the world that I, that I build, that I build something that I, I'm really proud of. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we think hard, we say, you know what, my core values, and, and this, these are different for, for everybody. Cause we're all unique. Right. But among the top that stand out, you know, it's family, 
you know, freedom, self-growth, health. There are things that are very important to people and to everybody has different ones, right? And what I invite people to do is to think about whether our financial statements are really financing those things that are really important. Or do we go through life just going through the motions, just because my in-laws did it this way, or my parents, or my neighbors, or my social circle spends and aligns their money in a certain way? Is this the way that I really want it to? Right? Like, is this the bar mitzvah that I really experience that I really yeah. want? Is this the giving that I really want? Right? So these are very tough conversations, very honest conversations. And I encourage people to have them with themselves and to have them with their spouse, and then make sure that we're having that alignment. And that third piece of the trust is, like I said, we give a lot of lip service to, but it's a daily practice. It's something that we, you know, we have to work on it every single day. And we get, we, it's a, we, we slip so easily, right? We think we're negotiating with the manager in front of us who we're negotiating with ha is calling all the shots. We forget that, or our client, we forget that it's all, it's all hammers and, you know, tools in the, in the, in the arms of the real, what do you call it? Uh, what do you, what's the word in English? You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> the, the, the person who, you know, whatever. Um, they're just agents. That's my point. They're just agents. And we tend to forget and we have to really connect to this idea that the money comes from God. God has, has it for us. And by the way, just because somebody else has does not mean that they're taking from me. Yeah. There is for, for everybody. It's for everybody. It's completely abundant and not your manager is not responsible and not your client is not responsible. And of course we have to go and negotiate. And of course we have to serve our clients. And of course we have to do all the practical things, but with a very clear understanding, it's between me and God, 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 God is calling the shots. Yeah. I love what you said at the end of the, I believe it was the second point and how, you know, really defining uh, one's personal values. And my question is, you know, like we learn about with like, um, you know, you have a bird and then the, the wings of the love and the awe on both sides. Now in the, in, in our community, especially in Judaism, there's a lot of, you know, this is the way it is like for Sadaka, for example, because you, that was also the first uh, point you talked about, you know, you give, it, it talks about this 10% of your income and all these type of quote unquote laws um, with, with all of the, you know, values that have already kind of been established. How do you, how did you balance and how do you teach uh, your listeners and then clients to cultivate, you know, that this is not only what is um, written, so to speak, or taught, but it's like, it is aligned with my own personal values. So I, I, I love the question. And I, and I think it's an, it's a very important question because when we talk about values, again, it's so easily, it's so, it's so easy to get confused, right? Because mm -hmm. we are, we have a duality. We are, we have an ego and we're also spiritual, right? Mm -hmm. So we talk about values. What I'm inviting people to do is get really honest with what your soul needs to be doing in this world. So what are the things that feed that soul? And again, we all have a journey and this changes, right? You know, um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not here to say what mitzvah, what connection is really going to do it for each person. But what I'm saying is dig deep and, and, and find what are the things that are important. And you'll often find that you're doing things that serve everybody else, but you've never asked yourself if those things are important. That if that you're doing, let's say you're working on a job because that's the thing that you were trained for. And that's the thing that you're supposed to do. But what if you really valued creativity and freedom and you just haven't even explored it because you're so tied down to this paradigm that it has to be this way, right? Um, and what if you really valued your family, right? Family is such an important thing and you say it's important. So your calendar and your bank account needs to reflect that, right? So then things like Shabbat, things like holidays, things that nurture the family unit, are they there? You know, like, so I invite people to ask themselves these questions. And anytime I talk about it, it it's like so eye-opening because we don't often think about it. We do the bar mitzvah that everybody else does, but really what exactly do you want for your child? Right. Or we say we value Jewish continuity. Of course, I would never want my kid to marry out. Oh, no, no, no. Jewish, Jewish education is too expensive. No. Yeah. Oh, we can't go there. It's too expensive. So then we, we get, see, it's all integrated because we get to the bitachon piece. If there's a God above that is whole, he has your back. He knows what's good for you, your body and your soul. And he said, you need Jewish education. Jewish continuity is something that you are going to want in your life and in your children's life. And it's tied to Jewish education. Why are you worried about the cost? I mean, I'm not, we could get into a whole Jewish yeah. education, a whole, a whole podcast on that, right? The cost. But do you see what I'm saying? We tend to not connect the two and say, no, no, no but I can't invest in that, right? Well, how about we actually invest in it because mm -hmm. that's what's really important. And we rely on God who's going to then open the Red Sea and make it all happen because you're living a life of value. Nice. How do you also apply that to uh, when it comes to observancy or practices? Yeah, so, so it's a similar idea, like I just said, you know, like I've had so often conversations with clients or students who say, you know, I want to keep Shabbat and my kids are pushing me to keep Shabbat, for example, but we have a restaurant and my biggest day is in the restaurant. Oh, and by the way, yeah, we're having a really tough time in the restaurant and we're having a really yeah. tough financial time, right? And so the first obvious thing is, guys, we got to close this restaurant. No, we can't do that. We can't do that. It's like, but you, you've been talking to me for months already on how the business is not giving the results that you want and how the Shalom Bide is being affected and how the peace at home is being affected. There's so much here that is saying, if we would only put our trust and say, you know, and see that it's, but it's so hard to see when we're on the inside, right? Because like I said, it's a process of growth, right? And so we need to change from within. Like, I can't tell you this is what you're, you need to do. I can point it out. Like it's this, the, God has given us the, God gave us the manuscript, you know? We have to trust that this is the right blueprint for our lives. 
And that's a, that's a growth process. But I think sometimes having these conversations with a coach or in a class or listening to conversations like the one you and I are, ha- are having sensitizes us to the idea and inspires us and say, maybe I should talk to my husband about closing the, the store on Shabbat or the, you know, the restaurant on Shabbat. Maybe we could, you know, what could we do yeah. to test, to try to incorporate more of whatever that thing is in our lives? I like what you said about the, the changing within and um, something I have observed and then also work on practicing on my own life is, is that change within rather than the change without first. And it seems like yeah. a lot of the things that are in, in Jewish practices, you know, are external things. You have the tefillin if you're a guy, you have your... Um, the wear the the tzitzis or which are the four strings uh you uh, people may see on the um, garments under men or for women the the um, lighting the candles baking the challah etc um but it can be deceiving i don't want to say deceiving but um let's say insidious that that external action putting on those garments could be a cover-up and like you said not really aligning with one's values but oh i wear this because i just wore this or i see everybody else that is also uh, practicing uh or or orthodox jew wearing this and i want to fit in so how, how would do you also incorporate that in guiding the the client because i'm 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 sure that also is aligned with uh, the financial health yeah so you know, when we, when I work with clients about the financial health, I mean, we stick to, I guess, the things that they, they reveal to me that they're working on. Right. And for most people, the obvious one is, oh no, we definitely don't give miser, um, even though we're orthodox, but we're up to here and dead. And we've just never incorporated into the system. And so that there's working on that, but if I could answer it from a, a little bit of a different perspective, not the financial one, um, I agree with you that we could get carried away in thinking, oh, this is it. The ritual is it. And I and the challenge is and what God wants us to have is a relationship with him. Right. And what we need is a relationship with our creator. And if we turn it to finance, oh, my goodness, without that relationship with my creator, I mean, where would we be financially? I mean, the levels of stress that people carry, the way it's affecting their health, right? And when a person has cultivated that relation, that strong relationship, that trust, I mean, it's just completely life-changing. But that aside, the opportunity for us is for growth. We came here to grow. We came here to improve. There's, there's no just relaxing in the beach here. This is a life of service. This is a life of serving others and growing through that. And by others, I mean, from God's perspective, right? God's world, right? So yes, I could, you know, somebody could throw at me, oh yes, you have to keep kosher of, you have to wear the sitzes, but it's not that it's now you have to learn how to connect to it. Now you have to learn to appreciate it. Now, now your opportunity is not to keep things by wrote like just because right this is where learning and and it comes is so important right and that's the challenge that we all are in a we're all growing we're not angels we're not static we're all moving forward and if we're not moving forward then something's wrong we gotta challenge ourselves to take every opportunity and say 
what is the growth opportunity here? Somebody just taught me about lighting candles. What do I need to, what do I need to hear here? What is this could do for myself and for my family, right? Sid says, why? Okay. But again, I would say, do it and then learn, right? It's like that idea, right? We accepted that connection and that relationship. And then we committed to understanding, but you can't, you know, we would fool ourselves. We would say, I'm going to explore it and understanding, and then I'm going to decide what really the real prescription is. Take it on and take it on with love and with the desire to learn and appreciate it as you go. But don't reject it until, you know, just like you don't go to the doctor, right? And he gives you a prescription of a treatment and you say, I'm going to go study that for a couple of years. And then when I'm really, really convinced, then we'll talk again, right? No, no, no. Like you have to put your trust in something. And so I think, I think now it's become much more doable in a sense, because people are more sensitive to the idea that there has to be something bigger than me. There has to be something that wants me in this world. There has to be purpose to my existence. And that comes from something greater. And so once we're open to that, then we're like open to the idea. Oh, and that creator actually has a blueprint that should work for my life. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't they know better? Right. So there's a blueprint for me to explore. Yeah. What does it say? So it says it's, it's this and that. Okay. So let me do it. And what can I achieve? How can I grow with this mitzvah or this observance? Could, could you explain a little bit more on that? Cause the, the example used with like the doctor, I would think like if he prescribes some kind of medicine, you would want to actually educate yourself a little bit before taking that mm-hmm. because you know, you know, there's a lot that agree. Mm-hmm. Agree. So it's a simplistic way to say it. Don't, don't get caught up in I, my ego, my I need to know everything there is to know. I make this decision because you're going to miss out. Like there, it, again, it, that's what surrendering to God, mm-hmm. to the idea of it, it is godly, right? Not it's to, to let go of ourselves, of our ego, and to open ourselves to the idea that there is a greater being that wants us in this world for a reason and has prescribed a path of life and be open to that instead of constantly in that, in that attitude, I guess, of skepticism and opposition and resistance, because all we're resistant, resisting is our finding ourselves. That's all we're holding. We're, we're just holding ourselves back. Well said. And then thank you. I, I may have uh, went down a little bit of, rab- of a rabbit hole there, but it's, it's obviously for anyone listening, it's, it's important uh, for me because as you said, it's creating your own personal relationship yeah. with the creator and how that blends in with what is quote unquote prescribed. Mm-hmm. Uh, to dive back into the awesome conversation of like financial health, uh, I love the, as somebody who like meditates and understands, you know, how our thoughts create our reality and are super powerful. And you had a, I think your latest blog was, are your thoughts affecting your wealth? Mm. And given how our, our thoughts are very powerful and ultimately they come from emotions like you, you have your intellect, like the whole progression is from the intellect to the emotions and then the thoughts and then to the speech and the deeds. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you, how do you guide your clients and the listeners to 
when you're first, whether it's speaking to them or guiding them to return to, well, how do you feel about money? What emotions arise when we talk about money to that now you're at the basis to then teach them all about the, the systems and what, uh, what else follows that? Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing we try to start with is exploring what is that story that we have in our head? What are those thoughts? We're not aware of them most of the time. See, we've been behaving with money in a certain way, and we've been speaking about money in a certain way based on what we learned. And most of what we learned wasn't directly taught. Most was just indirectly taught. It's based on what we experienced from what we heard, we saw, we experienced as children and into young adulthood, right? So all of that formed like this, this script. So this script, and we're not necessarily aware of it. And we operate on autopilot and, and that, and, and then, and then we're like, oh, why are things not going the way I want to, right? So we try to go back to that money story. Like, and first we go to our home of origin. What was our parents' relationship with money like? What did you see at home? What were the conversations like? Were there any conversations? We even go back to what's the first money memory that you have? And that's very telling because sometimes we make decisions as seven-year-olds and they're just in the context of what a seven-year-old can grasp at the moment, right? And so we still have that decision in our head and that's reflected in our actions. So, so much of this process, Salomon, is going back to what belief system are we carrying around based on what we saw at home, what we experienced, you know, when your father told you you needed to go get a job and he yelled at you and you didn't get frustrated and you didn't know why you were getting yelled at, right? And what did you decide right then and there? There's so much that we, each and every one of us has had experiences, right? And um, when you saw your parents arguing about money or there was, there's so much that people experience, right? That that shapes our belief system. So once we kind of like look at our lives and say, oh my gosh, yeah, I am carrying this. Oh my gosh, yes, I I do have some shame around money perhaps, or I do have a misconception that rich people are greedy or, you know, how is that serving me? Because then I can edit, right? I always like to tell my students, like we get to be editors of our lives, right? But first we had to look at the book that we're editing. We got to look at the manuscript. And so then you can say, there are things that I'm carrying around that serve me. And there are things that I probably want to erase and rewrite. Yeah. And now we can do that. And see, this is helpful because oftentimes if we jump into the numbers right away, then the emotion shock, which is what happens to most people all the time, is just too heavy. It's too, and so, so we don't even know why we have this strong emotions when our husband asks us how much does the plumber charge you? And then you hear something else Like you hear your father, you know, you hear something completely different. It turns into an argument, right? It became emotional when it was just about a number, right? So first we have to understand what we're carrying with so that we can say, oh, this is why I behave this way. Oh, interesting, right? Now I can be curious. I can have that awareness. And when I'm looking at my numbers and when I'm talking to my spouse or sitting down with my numbers and not ignoring them. I can be gentler with myself. I can have a little bit more compassion. I can have more curiosity about what's happening. Um, so yes, it goes back to, like you said, everything begins with the thoughts and then it goes down to the emotions, goes down to the actions. And by the way, as we're building better behaviors, what that does is it creates new positive emotions which generate new, new thoughts and new beliefs. That, oh, 
I did that. I was able to pay that credit card or I actually was able to talk to my HR manager about investing or I, I can handle my own money. I never knew I couldn't handle my own money. That was my old story, but I can invest. Look, I just did it. I took a baby step and I did it, right? So new thoughts, new emotions, more empowering actions. Well, and the, it, it, that whole process applies in various areas of our life as well. Totally. And from whether it's health uh, or relationships. So yep. it's, it's, it's really cool. When part of that process of change, though, can be also emotional or challenging, because uh, in a way, it's also breaking a habit. You're breaking... Okay your or the person's limited perspectives about money and creating and cultivating a more of an abundance mindset so what's the how do you encourage what tools uh are used because uh, i've even found like hypnotherapy or uh, meditation to be beneficial in you know rehearsing uh, a more of an abundant thought process mm -hmm. abundant mindset Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. So I think once we're very, we're aware of our money story, and by the way, there are layers, right? The yeah. minute something changes in your finances, you might uncover a new layer. But at least if you've gained the awareness, or even the knowledge of how to look for what's happening, um, you're in a much better place. So one of the things that I often tell my students to do is to learn to do a body check in, to check in with your body, because our body is an incredible, incredible tool that God has given us. And we very often go through life. I have a backache. I take a pill, right? Like I take an Advil. We don't realize that the body's telling us something. And so if we would tune in and say, why is it that when my husband brings this topic, I get sleepy, I doze off, or I feel where I'm paying for something, I feel something in my back or in my stomach, right? So paying attention to our body now I'm opening myself to what is the sensation that I'm feeling, right? And then I could take it. So that's a very powerful tool. I think there are tools like EFT, for example, tapping that are extremely helpful when we are dealing with strong emotions about charging to our clients or, you know, you know there's so many emotions that come around money, but definitely it's one that I do with um, some of my coaches and it's super helpful journaling is one of my top favorites, just like the, just get it all out there. Like go through the process of just journaling, write to, you know, write to yourself, write to that kid who failed in business at 13, write to your father who made you crazy about whatever it was or your mother, right? Just get it all out there without a plan. Those are very effective tools, but overall, I just feel like when we when we open ourselves to the fact that this is a relationship like anything else that we have to work on and that when we do, we are in for tremendous amount of growth, personal growth, growth in our relationships, because money is affecting so many of our close relationships, right? So it's affecting the relationship with ourselves, the relationship with our loved ones, our spouse, our kids, very often our parents, right? And our relationship with God, because then there again, we have to bring God into the equation. Like, okay, this challenge has come up. God, what do you want me to do here? What is the lesson, right? Right? So, um, you know, cultivating that bitachon, I would never leave it out of the toolkit. I think that is um, key. <laughs> we can look at numbers and all that. That's super important. Like, I'm not, I, I don't want to leave it out, but I think what you're getting at is, is okay. When we have to address our numbers, which we all do, 
how do we manage those emotions? So definitely those are all the, the different things we should have in our toolkit. Yeah. And it, it seems once you, once you do address those numbers after having everything else been addressed, it flows a lot uh, more effortlessly. Definitely. And, and I'll, I'll tell you something else, Solomon, the people, we tend to get really scared of our numbers, right? The, 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 we make a movie in our head of how terrible things are going to be. And we create this, there's this whole fear, right? And what I found time and time again with myself and with my students is that the numbers give tremendous amount of clarity. And that clarity is super empowering because now I'm in charge, right? And again, we want to be in charge. We want to be empowered. God is waiting for us to step up to the plate and make decisions and do and act and behave, right? Not just to operate on autopilot. So those numbers, I would encourage everybody to change the narrative a little bit and say, you know what? Maybe the numbers are going to reveal things that are important for me to know that it's important. It's instead of me ignoring it, one day I'll deal with it. One day, I'll, again, the emotions are so heavy that I much rather ignore it. But how about we say, I'm going to welcome the emotions. I know this is going to, I'm going to have to feel it, right? And I'm going to allow the numbers to, to tell me with a story. What is it that I need to learn from these numbers? And I'm not saying sit one day and in 30 minutes, find out all your numbers and your credit score and your le level of debt and your, what you've invested in. No, you take it bite size. We do take it bite size. But I want to invite people to know that the numbers give a tremendous amount of clarity and you end up feeling so much better and so much more empowered because now you know what you need to do. Now you have a clear picture and you, you have a starting point for your destination. Instead of saying, no, but I want to save this much or I want to have so much invested, we got to know our starting point. And this is often where it gets a little nebulous. We don't really know where we're standing. Yeah. Well, yeah, Elle, it's, it's such a breath of fresh air, all that you're applying, all that you're ta talking about that, how it applies to um, financial health is, you know, pretty much the same that I've learned whether with it, how it, with how it applies to, you know, breaking habits or one's uh, mental health or physical health. And like we said earlier, pretty much every aspect of life. And I absolutely appreciate truly how it, how you integrate the Jewish understanding and Jewish knowledge, as well as practice and observance with pretty much modern day uh, sciences and psychology to where it's when you talk about just trusting in uh, Hashem with God and, and surrendering, it's not just like you said, also, it's not just lip service, uh, because unfortunately, you can talk to people and it comes off that way. Uh, so I, it's, it's definitely very awesome. To, to, to hear all of the pieces when you're sourcing, uh, you know, Jewish knowledge with financial understanding and, and health and sciences and psychology and how it all pieces together, because then you get a real holistic view of how it all pieces together and you can, we can really understand because, you know, that's like the greatest delight is, is understanding. So to, to close up, once again, thank you. Uh, how can people uh, reach out to you? How can people read your blog, listen to your podcast? And is it mainly just for uh, Jewish women or um, non-Jewish listeners as well? 
So um, the podcast is Jewish Latin Princess, and we're actually, I don't know when this is going to air, but we're going through a rebrand. So it's soon going to be Jewish Money Matters. And my audience knows about the change and they're very excited. Um, I have—I know that I have non-Jewish listeners, but um, I think it's because people resonate to a message of spirituality weaved into the practical, right? And um, it could be that now with the rebrand of making it more of only a financial podcast, even though the Jewish is going to be there no matter what, it could be that it's open. It's going to open for more other listeners. But the 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 goal is really to inspire Jewish women. It's really to um, help them in this. That is really um, the goal. So they can find me there right now. It's Jewish um, Latin princess on Apple podcast, everywhere else. The blog is the same. And I'm on Instagram at Jewish Latin princess. And I have a private Facebook group for Jewish women called Jewish money matters. Um, so everything is getting transferred into Jewish money matters, but I'm pretty active there. You can find me there. You can just request to enter. Um, and that's where I talk about money most often and and the 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 new podcast is going to be all about money but so far you have oh my gosh over a hundred and I don't know 50 something episodes of incredible interviews um with Jewish women from all walks of life who've really um transformed the world for good so a lot of learning in the podcast and I'm looking forward to the new stage of the new podcast the new evolution I should say Exciting stuff. I hope yeah. my uh, I hope my future wife is a listener and a student. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. This has been great. Thank you. Call Akaba for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out SolomonEzra.com. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.